standard issue for all women. Hello, Hannah here from Heatwavy Cambridge. Yes, I've got my windows open. Yes, you might hear my neighbours in the background. So, this week saw the release of some pretty troubling figures on the financial insecurity of our young women as part of the Young Women's Trust's annual survey. It showed that more than half of young women are filled with dread at the state of their finances and 29% are always in debt. And the picture for young mums is even bleaker. So I got on the Zoom with the Young Women's Trust's Chief Executive, Claire Reindorp, to find out more. We chat about university debt, discrimination, the gig economy, the cost of childcare, and of course, whether cancelling the Netflix subscription is the cure-all some people seem to think it is. Spoiler alert, it is not. That's what's coming up now. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Hi, Hannah here. I am joined by Chief Executive of the Young Women's Trust, Claire Reindorp. Hello, Claire. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Hannah. Let's start with, for anyone listening who might not know, what the Young Women's Trust are, who you are, what your aims are. Sure. Well, we actually started out as the Young Women's Christian Association in the 1850s. Initially, yeah, exactly. We've got quite a long and illustrious history, really working on improving the conditions of young women and women as a whole going into industrial Britain's factories and workshops. But over time, we've changed in lots of different ways. And we've been renamed the Young Women's Trust about 10 years ago. And today we champion young women aged 18 to 30, particularly those on low incomes. And our aim is to end the financial penalty that young women face. We do that in three ways. Firstly, we provide practical support to young women. We help them with their CVs, with job interviews, and we provide free professional coaching to about 4,000 young women each year. And secondly, we carry out research that shines a spotlight on the realities of young women's lives and how that financial penalty impacts on them. And finally, we campaign for economic justice for, for young women. You do an annual survey. That's right. About young women's financial and employment experiences. It has just come out this week. This year's one has just come out this week. You spoke to 4,000 young women, 1,000 young men, nine HR decision makers and I have to say the reading even given that I know we're just coming out of the back of the pandemic and well fingers crossed we are and I know that we are about to go into a cost of living crisis even so I found that reading quite bleak 52% of young women are filled with dread about the state of their finances and 29% are in debt all the time so big shock not a big shock (laughs) tell me what your feelings were when you saw those figures oh the same really isn't it I mean I it's such a tough time for young women right now as you say you know we've all had a pretty bad time in the the pandemic and the cost of living crisis coming now and I think the big picture here though is that young women as a, as a whole are much more likely to be financially precarious than young men because there is a, a one-fifth gap in their income. Their annual income is 22% less than young men. That just means that many more young women are closer to the, the financial cliffage right now. I think we've been seeing quite a lot in the news, haven't we, about young mums not being able to heat their homes or choosing between heating and eating. And that came very much out in our survey but I think there's that sense of what is going on in that that bigger picture about why why are young women more affected 
you know, is so striking for us. And, it, and it's, it's partly because young women are more likely to be doing unpaid work, you know, the cooking and cleaning, the, mm. the very mess siblings around, the looking after their own children, not least because childcare obviously is so unaffordable. They're more likely to be working in part-time work as a result and, and trapped in kind of low-paid uh, sectors of the economy and, and really struggling to get fair pay and promotion. And when I speak to young women, they, they sort of describe it as like being sort of stuck in the mud, that they feel they can't, you know, progress, they can't make choices, take chances. You know, this time yeah. of life, you know, in your 20s, it's when you set yourself up, isn't it, for the rest of your life and they're feeling like they're just so constrained and all the kind of entrepreneurial energy and talent yeah. of the, these young women are being spent spent on sort of surviving rather than really yeah. setting themselves up for the rest of their lives. I mean, it really speaks to me. I was way into my 40s before I had some degree of financial security, mm. Mm. partly because of the background that I, that I came from. I started life in debt. I used to have a flatmate when I was at my most hard up and we were living in a crap house with no money. We were both working as young journalists. Her boyfriend came around and she'd bought a new pair of shoes and he gave her a full-on lecture about how she couldn't afford to pay her bills. You know, how could she afford to buy these shoes? And she put up the most spirited defence that I think is in the, in the spirit of what you're saying. Of I never do anything. All I do is go to work and come home and eat crap food. She said, no, I want one thing. And it was that pair of shoes. And I was prepared to pay them off slowly on my credit card just because I wanted one nice thing. And I think that sense of what you're saying, that's what your 20s is about. I just I just want to go to Glastonbury just once in my life or I just want to go abroad. And and they, then you are told off because they are seen as, as things that you, you can't you shouldn't have when you should be saving or you should be paying off debt or you should be doing those things. Yeah, that sense of something to, to break up the monotony of what so many young women are yeah. like, are having to to you know wade their way through and but you know I mean there's quite a lot of you say very bleak findings here but we were also really struck by the fact that sort of over 60 percent of young women still told us they thought they could achieve what they wanted in their lives you know there's still reserves of hope and optimism as well as that sense of oh god trying to get by day by day I know we'll talk about the sort of causes of all of this and solutions but there's also some 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 green shoots I think as well so it's not it's it's pretty bleak, but there's some things to hold on to, I think, and some, you know, changes that we can all make to, yeah. to end the financial penalty young women are facing. It's something that can be tackled. You know, yeah. it doesn't need to be like this. You know. So you did mention single mums. I mean, the, the figures there were, again, quite, quite terrifying. 75% of them really, really struggling financially. Is there any other disaggregated data? Because, I mean, I'm going to assume that your class makes a serious impact on what your finances are, but geographically around the country by race do you have any other sort of disaggregated figures which can tell us more about the sort of young women who are really struggling at the moment I mean unsurprisingly you know in terms of racial discrimination you know 31% of young black women that we spoke to and um, a quarter of young women from Asian backgrounds said they've been discriminated against because of their ethnicity I mean this survey looked at both young women's financial experiences and what it was like for them in the workplace Um, and that although those figures were slightly lower than than we heard in our survey in 2020, it's still massive. And, you know, listeners might have heard of the Fawcett Society and Running Mead's recent report called Broken Ladders, mm. which looks at the pay and progression of, of women of colour in the workplace. And 75% experience discrimination and being passed over for promotion. So there's obviously a big 
picture here about how age and gender is intersecting with with race. Also, the disability, again, unsurprisingly, about 30% of young women with a long-term mental health condition said they've been discriminated against when looking for work. And this works the other way around as well, where we know that a quarter of young women told us that their mental health was preventing them from getting a job. So there's both the, you know, the Mm. impact of mental health on looking for work and the discrimination that you face if you have a mental health condition. There was a little bit of a geographical picture, not huge. I mean, 43% of young women in London said they were not comfortable financially, a little bit higher in the Midlands. That goes to 54% and 50% in Yorkshire and Humber, but pretty bleak across the board. And but the, the most striking thing, really, when we looked at the survey is is about young young mums, you know, and single mums particularly within that, where more than half of, of single mums that are going without food sometimes to feed their their kids. Um, you know, it's just it's so huge. And that's it feels like that kind of motherhood penalty is really the standout. Yeah. Have they tried cancelling their Netflix? Exactly. I got asked that on on Mother <laughs> Woman's Hour this week. You know that sense of uh, young women being profligate, showering their pennies everywhere, not not being able to uh, you know manage their money, and you just think, oh God, what planet are people living on? You know. And someone else on uh, was asking me because the survey does suggest that sixty one percent of young women are putting off having children because they. They can't afford them. And, you know, someone said to me, oh, well, that's responsible, isn't it? But you think, well, you know, do we want to live in a country where sort of child rearing is almost like a luxury for the better off? You know, people on minimum wage can't afford to have kids. Like, is that what we're really looking for in this country? Okay, so here's my question coming from this. There is this kind of strange generational divide that seems to look down. So people in my generation or my, my mother's generation look down and think that somehow children are or young women are in some way sort of the masters of their own demise if you know what I mean that if they were a bit more like us we struggled why shouldn't they have to struggle how much do you think that is causing a problem in this country I've been reading those surveys too isn't it that sort of slightly depressing sense that you've got this sort of feckless young women who are you know just not pulling themselves up by their bootstraps isn't it and it it just sort of flies in the face of so much evidence, isn't it, about the cost of rents and like never getting on the house, you know, on the on the housing ladder, yeah. never getting the cost of getting a degree, the cost for you know for young women of like just starting off in work, and it just flies in the face of reality, doesn't it? And it's and it's a it's a real shame because it is just that lack of understanding of what it really is like to be young, and there's there's sort of some almost like intergenerational pact here that's broken yeah. down. Yeah. And I'm speaking as a woman who's 49. I've just had it much easier. You know, even though I came from a family with very little money, you know, it's just easier for me. You know, I've got a full grant at university. You know, you could get a job. Yeah. Uh, it's just different. It's, young women today are living in a different world, yeah. aren't they? I mean, I own a flat because Northern Rock lent me a preposterous amount of money given my I mean they were lending up to 10 times people's salaries although it was seen as irresponsible and all of those Mm. things at least it was an avenue that was available to me which was to over borrow and that doesn't that doesn't even exist anymore now possibly sensibly given what happened at the end of the northern rock crisis but even for people like me who were sensible and were able to pay that money back nobody else saw me as a viable option and they did and that that door is closed now. 
I find the lack of sympathy for young people really staggering, really staggering. Uh, absolutely. And uh, the other thing is, when we looked at the survey results, you sort of were reading them and thinking, are we still in, in, in terms of the scale of the discrimination out there? When we spoke to our, these over a thousand uh, HR decision makers, you think, are we in the 1950s or are we in 2022? It's like one in 10 HR decision makers think that women are less suitable for senior management positions than men, for example. 30% say that young women in their workplace have been discriminated against in the past year. And 40% of the young women we spoke to said they've been discriminated against. When you look at the HR, what the HR managers are telling us in the survey, young women are not making it up. You know, it yeah. is it is out there. These kind of attitudes that you think died with the dinosaurs, but they, they haven't. And the, when you start out in your career, I know all women are obviously facing that sort of sexism in the workplace. But when you put that together with being with, with being young and just yeah. starting out, you're like, well, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a reason that they're stuck on the bottom rung of the ladder. There's people at the top really keeping them down. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and there's so many stories about, you know, what young women would like to be doing with their lives. And you can feel when we meet together with young women, you can sort of feel the energy and the, the passion. You just think, well, it's just not doing anyone any good that we're not unleashing that. You know, there's a kind of gaping hole in our economy where the talents of of young women should be. And I think also many men are trapped in breadwinning roles because, you know, women are in low pay themselves. And we know that the big story I think here as well is when people talk about the pay gap, more people are likely to think, oh, that's something that happens sort of in middle age, you know, and of course it gets bigger and bigger through women's lives till you get to a sort of 38% gap in women's pensions, for example, when you're in your 60s and 70s. But that, that gap starts right at the beginning of young women's lives. You know, it's and this is the time when we could be really setting them up, obviously, to be successful in work for themselves and to be able to use their own talents and make real choices, not between heating and eating, but, for example, looking after their children well and being successful in the workplace, for example. That's also not helping the economy right now. We've got, we've got a shrinking economy. Yeah. And, you know, we've got 1.7 million women who want to work more hours but can't because of childcare. So uh, there was one interesting estimate the other day that that would add twenty-eight billion pounds of economic output to our economy per year if all those one point seven million women could get out and do the extra hours they want to work. So there's some there's some really big solutions to the current sort of financial crisis, the big picture that we're in. It's with your women, isn't it? Like, come on. <laughs> What needs to be done in this situation? Mm. I mean, we've got several options of what needs to be done. There's stuff that can be done sort of on, on a national government level, stuff that could be done sort of on a local individual business level. And there's stuff that, that could presumably be done not to put the responsibility on young women, but there are possibly some things young women can do themselves. Can we talk about the gig economy, which is something that I just think is, is an evil that punishes young people, but also actually, I think, punishes middle managers in certain types of jobs, which, which again, tend to be quite young people. I mean, I know people who, who work in, you know, pubs, restaurants, that sort of thing, and they find it difficult to staff themselves on certain days, you know, when maybe England football matches are on, because, because they can't get staff in, because staff don't have to work, so they might choose not to. So it's not useful for them, but it's certainly not useful for... People who don't know from one week to the next what their wages are going to be. 
the insecurity of that blows my mind. Exactly. I mean, we know from the sort of official data that women are more likely to be on zero hours contracts than men. I mean, and in our survey, 44% of young women have been offered a zero hour contract compared to 33% of young men. Two thirds were telling us that they wanted more predictable and regular hours. So absolutely, young women are really affected by the gig economy in that way. And you can imagine what that's like for the the mums that we spoke to. Mm. And I think there's a lot of conversation out there, rightly so, finally, about affordable childcare. But perhaps what we're not talking enough about is is the flexibility. Because young women are in the care sector, in hospitality, retail. That's where young women on Mm. low incomes are working. And they're obviously not nine to five. and, And nurseries are shutting at six. And and it's things like getting more childminders, um, having more imaginative models of childcare where you can purchase a different amount each week, depending on the hours you're working, yeah. which is an interesting model that's been started in Scotland. We're going to have to start thinking like that if we're going to provide childcare for the sort of the, the world that we've got today. Obviously, also tackling the gig economy and, and asking government to legislate really for more predictable hours and enable frontline workers to have more notice of changes in in shift work and so on. But I think the other thing here is a green shoot from the pandemic was that flexible working, as as we know, you know, but flexible working is is happening for for office workers. It's happening for those workers who are are paid better. But young women are going to need flexible work on the front line. There's been some really interesting pilots recently that's shown that in retail, in the care sector, if employers think imaginatively about job design and think about how you could get young women off the tills, for example, by making sure that supervisors could be job share roles or that frontline staff could talk together about their shifts and have more control over their work, then you're going to get more women in the workforce. You're going to have lower sickness levels and better retention. And so that 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 sort of flexibility on the frontline pays for itself. The employers are getting a return on their investment. But we need those pilots really out there to show people that what looks difficult up front is actually doable and is better for business so that's I think a, a really key thing and we're going to have to have increases in the minimum wage right you know and, mm. and as well as universal credit in line with inflation if if anyone's got hope of earning their way out of this crisis isn't it? there's a big picture here about in-work poverty for for men and women isn't there and yeah uh, more than half the people in poverty today are, are working so we've got to do things that make work pay and enable young women a third of whom want to work more hours to actually go and work those hours that they need those solutions are are there for employers the really good employers are putting a salary on their adverts right that really pay transparency has really been shown Mm. to drive a lot of change in terms of the pay gap but also good employers are looking at how to promote young women also kind of looking at things like flexible work putting that again on the advert from the beginning you know we want we want the government to legislate so that there's a right to flexible working by default but those employers who are putting it on the advert that's young women are telling us that then they feel able to apply and they don't have to have a conversation at job interview about the fact they've got children and they need some flexibility and you can imagine that's that's a hard thing to do Um, so there's this action from government there's action from from employers I think your question about, well, what can young women do? It's hard, isn't it? Because what's out there is that sort of the jabbing finger, the finger of blame about what they can they can do. I think really young women are, are kind of doing everything they can right now, mostly being incredibly in, using all their ingenuity to, to get by yeah. on, on microscopic amounts of benefits and wages. They've got all that energy and talent that, we, that they, they want to go and, you know, 
get on with it. I want to revisit something that you said earlier about debt and carrying debt mm. and you having the benefit of a free education. I have mm. the benefit of a free mm. education. It seems to me absolutely indisputable that the fact that university now costs you money is why more young women are carrying debt around with them. Mm. And I come from a background, I think possibly, you know, similar to yours, where, you know, I was actually the first person in my family to go to university. Lots of my friends come from a similar background. You know, they were working class. We're now in this odd group where we're sort of middle class now, essentially. But, you know, also we don't have the sort of safety net that most middle class families have because it's not generational wealth. And it's not even real wealth. It's just the ability to get by. And I've been around a lot of conversations in recent years, my friends, members of my family, discussing whether or not their youngsters would go to university, which they had always assumed would be a massive yes. But they now wonder whether or not there might be better ways for them to start off in life than getting an arts degree, which is there isn't an obvious job necessarily to go into from that, and having a, a phenomenal amount of debt. Now, I, I don't want to, you to give me an opinion on whether or not who's right on that, because equally I've got other friends who are just like, but that's what they want. <laughs> that's what they want is no, no poorer kids going to university. And I know that actually it's worse for young girls, and that I find really troubling, that if I go back to those friends and I say, do you know what? Logic dictates that you send your boys and not your girls because your boys are going to clear their debt quicker. That's that's almost like a Victorian thing to be saying to people, isn't it? Oh, yeah. But it's true. It's true. I mean, obviously, this is like well outside the scope of our survey. But, yeah, I mean, I know the data is out there, isn't it? But uh, women graduates earn 25% less than male graduates by the age of 30. And I think, you know, there's some analysis that suggests that that's a lot due to the kind of subjects that young women choose i put that in inverted commas compared to to young men young men are more likely to be highly paid economic graduates where young women are more likely to have lower paid kind of creative degrees in inverted commas and i think that that kind of speaks to the sort of choices agenda here you know in our our survey we asked young men and young women and hr decision makers about what the causes of the pay gap were the income Mm. gap and obviously you know, men, young men were unsurprisingly much more focused on it being a cho- result of choices that young women make rather than women were much more like to say things like discrimination and yeah. lack of childcare. And, and obviously you've got to take the camera back. And, you know, we're, we're looking at young women's trust at 18 to 30, but these so-called choices are, you know, are being shaped, as we all know, from very, very young age, aren't they? And their yeah. young women's sort of financial destiny is being, you know, steered from the beginning to the time when we start learning whether we think we should be good at maths or not and whether we end up choosing economic degrees and whether we end up getting a kind of job that pays off that massive debt and whether people are going to promote us. It's 2022, but we still feel like we've got a very long way to go, haven't we? You know, but all the, there are green shoots, but my goodness, there's, there's work to be done. And, you know, we were really pleased that 80% of the young women we spoke to said they were going to vote in the next general election. We asked them about that. And I thought, well, that gave us a sort of some hope that like young women want to be out there and, you know, we, we want to raise this this issue about the financial penalty they're facing. I think young women want to get it on the agenda as well. 
but it's solvable. And I know we're not going to turn into sort of Scandinavian dream country overnight. <laughs> Iceland. <laughs> we might, yeah, we're all going to move to Iceland. Obviously, at some point, I've got two young daughters and I thought when they get to 18, I'm going to have to just emigrate. Uh, but no, I'm not going to emigrate because we'll have sorted this uh, yeah. in the next five or six years. Uh, you, know, you know, if we had affordable childcare and use it or lose it, well-paid parental leave, but it's kind of flexible work that's coming out of the pandemic, but, but offer it to everybody. Well, we could see a really different world. You know, what a, what a difference it would make to everybody, men, women alike. Is there anything else that we can do? Talk about it. There's a real focus on kind of Me Too and the kind of sexual violence and harassment against women, and rightly so. But I, I, I think we've got to keep the kind of financial penalty, the economic justice mm. on, the, on the agenda in the same way. We want to be walking down the street feeling safe. We will actually want some money in our pocket as well. We actually want to be able to have a challenge these sort of perceptions about women's capacity and talents and keep it on the agenda obviously as much pressure as we can on politicians talk about when we see good practice let's celebrate the good stuff I mean we had the gender pay gap bot didn't we on international women's day that highlights the kind of need for deeds not words but there's also pointing out the employers that are being imaginative here and making Mm. a difference so that we can or have that optimism as well as knowing how tough things are. Have that optimism that change is possible and comes about from taking some practical steps that we can all influence together. We mentioned this at the top. I think financial security and mental health are so, and I can say this from personal experience, so closely linked. There's nothing like the depressing, oh my God, I've got no money in my account. I've still got 10 days to get through before payday. I'm going to have to just eat miserably, be miserable. Yeah. The two go together. And if we want to be a healthier nation as well, in that sense, then we have to be financially healthier in order to be mentally healthier, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Claire, this has been an absolute pleasure. Where can people find out more? Oh, thank you for letting me uh, give us a plug. So Young Women's <laughs> Trust, youngwomenstrust.org. Please come and get in touch with us particularly if you're a young woman aged 18 to 30 and you're really thinking about what you want for your future, whether you, you're home with your kids, whether you want to get a job, whether you want to get on in your current job, you want to boost your confidence, whatever you want for yourself, we can offer you some free professional coaching. We can help you with your CV, help you get ready for any interview. So get in touch with us, youngwomenstrust.org. Standard Issue for All Women.